You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Bloodhounds. Enjoy. It's important to realize because the world doesn't know this or they will deny this or try and cover it up. But the truth is every single human being, no matter where we're born, where we're from, what nation we're from, every single one of us has inside of us this divinely planted desire. And it's strong, it's tenacious, it's a desire to know the one who made us. And you don't ever have to read your Bible to have this desire, you don't ever have to go to a church, it's in there. It's like prego spaghetti sauce, it's in there, right? So this strong, tenacious desire, the thought came to mind of bloodhounds. I'm going to read a little bit to you about bloodhounds. How many dog lovers we have in here? Yeah, cat lovers. The dog numbers out. Num- the dog lovers outnumber the cat lovers. Okay, I, I like them both, but I-, I I just think dogs are a blast. Bloodhounds. So bloodhounds are, are a type of hound called a scent, like a scent hound, as opposed to a sight hound. Bloodhounds are a large scent hound. And they were originally bred for hunting, but later on they, be, they bred them to find people. Whether they were escaped prisoners or missing people or even uh, missing pets, lost pets. Now, scent hounds are different than sight hounds. What do you think the difference is? Sight hounds find what they're looking for with their sight, yeah. So a sight hound has to see what it's looking for to find it. A scent hound doesn't have to do that. In fact, the, the traits of a scent hounds are pretty cool. The scent hound hunts by scent and not by sight. It doesn't have to see what it's following. It doesn't have to see what it's looking for to find it. It doesn't need to be as fast as sight hounds because it doesn't need to keep its prey in sight. So it's not in a, it doesn't have to be in a hurry. It's going to find it. But however, a scent hound needs endurance so that they can stick with a scent and follow it for long distances, even over rough terrain. So speed is not important, but endurance is. It's famous for its ability to discern human scent over great distances, even days later. Reminds me of a friend of mine from many years ago. I haven't seen him in many years, but he ate raw cloves of garlic every day. It was like his snack. And I'm not a scent hound, and, but I tell you, if he would walk in that back door right now, all of us would know he was here. <laughs> so all of us could find him. But scent hounds, they can, isn't it amazing? They can trace the scent of a human over great distances, even days later. So let's, let's, let's think about this for a minute. So this scent hound hunts by scent, not by sight. What's Corinthians tell us, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't have to see what God's promised us to know it's ours, to walk into it. To experience it, right? 
It has this extraordinarily keen faith, excuse me, sense of smell, combined with a strong and tenacious tracking instinct. It will not give up. Ability to discern human scent over great distances, even days later, and it has an endurance which enables it to stick with the scent and to follow it for long distances, even over rough terrain. It's born with this instinct. It's born with this strong, tenacious instinct to follow and find something it cannot see. Every human being, without exception, is born with a divine, strong, tenacious desire not only to know the one who made them, but to follow the one who made them, whom is un who is unseen. You can't see God. Now the evidence of God is everywhere. Everywhere, right? But he's a spirit. We can't see him like I can see these pieces of paper in my hands or those lights or your faces. But he's more real than anything we can see or touch. So this sense we have inside, this desire to know him, do you know it didn't come through man's religion? Man's religion has nothing to do with it. Well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes that desire leads people into religious belief systems. Actually, that's what does lead them into it. So it does have something to do with it. But you can wrongly fulfill this, try and fulfill this desire by getting involved with a religious group. Because that, 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 let me just back that up. It, it has everything to do with it. It's this desire wrongly placed that has led to the world's religions and cults. That's what I should have said. At first, it's this desire to know God that has caused uh, so many to go in a direction, but it was the wrong direction. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So this desire didn't come through man's religion. It doesn't come through society. It doesn't come through politics. It's, it's the result of being made in his image. His scent is on us. Because he made us. It will never go away. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. God put eternity. What does that mean? The Amplified says it this way. He's put this, this divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages. Can you put the Amplified up there, guys? Let's read it together. Yeah, This divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Let's think about that for a few moments, huh? 
That's one to take home with you and, and meditate upon. Inside of you, there's this divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. I think of uh, my daughter, Dana. She's a, a peach. She, she makes me laugh. She's got all these cute phrases. And one of them she'll say is satisfying. Like if I'll put the, the cup of ice under the ice dispenser, she'll hear the ice hitting the glass. She'll say satisfying. Satisfying. The only thing that can satisfy this divine desire is a real relationship with the real Jesus. He's the one who made you. Religion can't give him to you. Man's religion, for the most part, doesn't know him. They know some things about him, but many of the things they teach are contrary to him. And as a result, people come into it learning a little bit about him, but then get tangled up in other stuff that's not about him. We want to change that. That's why at Highway Church we keep it very simple. We have no formal membership here. You come three times, you're a member. The only membership God requires is faith in His Son. To believe that He loves you and that He gave His Son for you. That's what He requires. So we're not going to add to that, right? I like this divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages. So all of us are really looking for the truth about the one who made us. And boy, everyone's got their version of truth, right? But that, I found out about 30 years ago, it wasn't good enough for me. I studied so many different versions of people's philosophies and truths. And you find that these things aren't new. They just keep recycling over the ages. Might have a new cover to them. But the same wrong ideas about God just continue to get recycled. But truth is not an idea, right? We know that at Highway Church. Truth is not an idea that I generate. Truth is not a philosophy. Actually, truth is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ, right? God wants you to find him. He's not playing hide and seek. He's out in the open saying, here I am, come to me. Let me give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy and light. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He's all for it. He wants to remove every fear from your life. So it's not a question of him coming to you. It's a question of you coming to him. Okay? Now, look at this in John chapter 3. Look how much he wants you. John chapter 3, verse 16. This is how much he wants to be found by you. This is how much he wants you to know him. This is how much he wants you to experience the wholeness that he, only he can bring. John 3, 16, and we learned and, and we review this, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, uh, sometimes during our communion, when we have communion, we see that this verse is in the context of physical healing. If you'll read verse 14 and 15, you'll see that. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
So this is the love He has for you. It moved Him to give the only Son He ever had. And if you've ever been a father, and, if, and you have one child, to give that child up is pretty much unthinkable. Unless you have a divine love in you. Right? It's, it's, your, your children are more important to you than anything uh, in this world than anything you could ever uh, come to, to know or acquire. But God loved you so much that He gave everything He could give. That's how for you He is. So that whoever believes, He left no one out, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now here's where religion comes in and confuses everybody. Eternal life. Well, what is that? That means going to heaven. <laughs> Where did they get that from? It doesn't mean going to heaven. That was, the, that was man's religious definition of eternal life. You're going to find, if you keep coming to Highway Church, there's a lot of things you've read in the Bible that have been wrongly understood and wrongly defined by man's religion. Eternal life is one of them. Jesus is not talking about going to heaven. I'm not interested in giving you my idea of eternal life. Jesus defines it for us. You'll find that you don't need to generate your own ideas about truth. Jesus reveals it to us. So let's let Jesus tell us what eternal life is. What a concept, huh? Go to chapter 17. I like to let Jesus define what I believe. And I was shocked at the age of 19 when I started reading the words of Jesus that they were so contrary to the religious tradition I grew up in. I was like, what were they telling me for these past 19 years? Jesus never said that. He said this. That doesn't mean that. It means this. It's an eye-opener when you let Jesus define what you believe instead of the world. So Jesus tells us, now this is eternal life. Isn't he good? He's not a mystery. He wants to take away that kind of thinking. He's not some strange, clouded being that you can't get to. He's the one you're looking for and he's revealed himself to you. He's perfect love. And he's waiting for you to know him. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you. To know him is eternal life. K-N-O-W. Now don't, don't just skip up through, glance over that word. This is a powerful word. It's the same word used in Matthew 1.25 when it said, Joseph knew not his wife, until after Jesus was born. Same word. No. It's talking about this intimate relationship that can only be experienced through a union with. Jesus said this is eternal life, that they would enter into a relationship that is intimately experienced because they're becoming one with you. That's eternal life. To become one with the one who made you. 
Now, if you have eternal life, heaven's your home. And after you leave this world, that's where you'll be. But that's not what eternal life is. Eternal life is union with God. Nothing between Him and you. Listen to me. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you believe that He rose from the dead for you, and you open your mouth and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Live in me. I put my faith in you. When you do that, your spirit becomes one with God. And you have eternal life. So eternal life is this intimacy with the one who made you. Okay? Makes sense, right? Now, the one who made you is truth, right? He's not trying to come up with ideas that are true. He's the person of truth. He's never said anything untrue. There's nothing untruth about him. He doesn't know how to be untruthful. He doesn't know how to lie. He doesn't know how to deceive or trick or fool people. Man's religion, by the things they teach, you would think he does that. But he doesn't. He doesn't play games with you. He loves you. I mean, checkers, he doesn't mind that. You know, board games are fine. But he doesn't play games with your life. He doesn't lead you somewhere and then hurt you and then tell you, I did that to try and uh, teach you how to be humble. That's all garbage. That's, that's man's self-evaluation of what happened to them. Man, see, man's religion, there, it starts with a desire to know God, but then there are things they can't understand or things that happen in their lives they can't explain, so they put it off on God. They say, well, somehow God must have done this to try and teach me some hidden purpose that I don't understand. And that's a cop-out. God doesn't do things like that. God has revealed his nature to us through his son. Jesus is the truth about God. In fact, Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, um, let's just do a passion. We got the passion? Yeah. Jesus explained. Listen to this in the passion. Jesus explained. Jesus explains God to us. Isn't that awesome? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union. There's that eternal life, right? Except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too or also, right? Now, if a bloodhound uses its smell, if smell is the scent that a hound uses, to track uh, something in the natural world. What is the sense that we have that we use to track God? (laughs) That doesn't work. These won't work. These won't work. This won't work. That won't work. Did I get them all? Five senses, none of them will work. You can't know God intimately through your five senses. Wow, that's a big deal. So what sense do we have to know him? 
You have a sixth sense. It's called faith. We're very different than animals. We didn't come from them. We were made in the image of God. There is no science that supports the theory of evolution. Zero. I know you've been told that, but it's not true. If you'll study it out unbiasedly, the the facts are clear. The greatest evidence of God creating you is you. When you go home, I want you to look in the mirror. The design of you is off the charts. You are designed so divinely, mankind could never do it. Man is, is frantically racing to try and take apart the human body and figure it out. They never will completely. They figured a few things out, but not much. You are divinely, you're the greatest evidence of, the, of God. Never has there been a painting without a painter. Never has there been a song without a composer. Never has there been a book without an author. Never has there been a design without a designer. To deny that is foolish. So the reason that, that man denies his creator is usually because he's hurt, upset. He's been through some rough stuff in life. And he doesn't know how to explain it all. A lot of pain, maybe some bitterness. God, why did this happen? So really, it's kind of a, a, a way of trying to deny the truth. To try and cover up things. Because I'm afraid of, of, of finding out what really happened. Denial is a powerful thing. It can, it can try and squash that divine desire in you to know him. Don't let anything you've been through keep you from knowing the one who made you. Don't let what anyone has done to you keep you from experiencing the love God has for you. He's not behind the bad things that happened to you. He didn't cause them to try and teach you something. He's love. He's perfect love. He doesn't do bad things to people to teach them things. Jesus taught us that very clearly. He said his father is a good, good father in Matthew 7, verse 11. And that if we being people know how to love, our, love and treat children, how much more does God know how to love us, right? So there's this sense of faith. How do you develop your sense of faith? How do you use your sense of faith? Unlike animals who live by instinct, we live by what we choose to believe, You may not even realize you've chosen to believe some things. You just believe them. But you do have the ability to say yes or no to every thought and feeling you have. Isn't that amazing? Animals can't do that. They can't. If you would leave a pizza on our counter at home and and our dog was in the house by itself, that pizza would be gone. No matter what you said to that dog, right? It, it didn't reason when, when they come home, I'm going to be in big trouble. I don't want to face the shame. It has an instinct. There's hot pizza here. It's mine. Consequences are irrelevant. We're not like that. We have this ability to say yes or no to every thought and feeling we have. And it's very powerful. So faith 
Everyone has it. Faith is when I choose to believe in something. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. Everyone has faith in something and someone. And regardless, of it, again, whether something is true or not doesn't matter. But how can I track God? How can I track Him and find Him? I need to begin to believe what He says, even if it contradicts what my family has told me, what my church told me, what my friends in social media tell me. What my school tells me. Even if it contradicts every human being on planet earth, I choose to go with what he says. When you do that, you begin to track him. And you'll find him, guaranteed. His word is his scent. It's his aroma. We find him by believing his word. I couldn't find him when I was growing up because my church didn't give me his word. It gave me their religious doctrines. Someone gave me a Bible at the age of 19 and I started reading it and I found him because I put my faith in what I was reading. The book of John, Gospel of John. We find God by simply believing what he says. Now listen, I understand that the Bible is probably the most misunderstood book of all time. And people misunderstood, misunderstand it, misquote it, take it out of context. But the truth is, it is the Word of God. Always has been, always will be. But I want you to know something. I've had people say to me, well, it's in the Bible. And they'll quote to me a scripture, but they're wrong. It is in the Bible, but the way they're using it is wrong. The way they're understanding it is not in agreement with the nature of God. You will misunderstand this book if you don't know the heart of the one who wrote it. God is not a book. He's given us His Word, but He's a living, breathing presence. So knowing him is, knowing his nature is essential. So Jesus came to us and revealed to us without uh, deviance the nature of the Father so that we can read his word and understand it. So when we're reading the New Testament or the Old Testament, we must read it through the light of the nature of Christ or we're going to misunderstand it. So knowing the Bible is not the key to knowing Him. Knowing Him is the key to knowing the Bible. I don't know if I can say that again. What did I just say? <laughs> I don't remember what I said. Someone help me out. Oh yeah, knowing the Bible is not the key to knowing Him. Knowing Him is the key knowing the Bible. So man's religion takes this book and boom! Boom, right? Pow, whack, boom, chow. But it doesn't work. It makes people upset. It confuses people. It hurts people. Because we know him, we can understand his word. Jesus said, come. He didn't hold up the, the scrolls and knock people out with them. He said, come to me. Right? Come to me. Not to a scroll. Come to the person of truth. Come to the person of God. Know me. Do you know you can know God personally? His personal presence. 
You can come to the point in your life when a dark thought presents itself to you and you'll instantly know that's not your father. You'll have the strength to stamp on that thing and keep going forward. Because you'll know how much he loves you. Hallelujah. So this sense of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. So we're scent hounds. We're faith hounds, right? We, we, we're always looking for what God has to say about my situation. We know it's not going to be condemning, right? We know it's not going to be bad. We know it's going to set us free. Because what he has to say about you will heal you. What he has to say about you will make you strong. What he has to say about you will bring provision in your life you don't even know about yet. What he has to say about you will unlock your fullest potential. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says says this. And again, we like to let uh, Jesus define faith. Because faith, as far as religion is, faith is kind of this vague concept. Well, yeah, I have faith. No, you don't. Faith is not believing that God exists. I don't need any faith to know that that's, that that pulpit is in front of me. The existence of God could not be more obvious. Again, just look in the mirror. The existence, the evidence of his design is all around us. I know his creation is under the curse of sin and it's got twisted. It was not what he wanted to happen, but that was man's doing, not his. Nevertheless, the evidence of God is all around us. It takes no evidence to believe that God, it takes no faith to know that God exists. Wow. I don't know if I've ever said that. See, this is fun. Holy Spirit just brings things out. And I, don't, and I say, can I say that again? What did I just say? <laughs> Listen to me. It takes no faith to know that God exists. Wow, that's good. I like that. What was the other one? That's good. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Now, do you hear it? It takes no faith to know that God exists. It's obvious. It takes faith to know his nature. To know how good he is. To know what he's done for you through his son. That's where faith is needed. To know him. I can know he exists but not know him personally, right? So faith is being sure and certain of what we hope for. In other words, what he's said to us, what he's given to us through his son, and certain of what we do not see. So how do I become certain of his love for me? Will I talk to him? Yes. Take walks and talk to him. Say, Father, reveal yourself to me. Show show me how much you love me. By your spirit, open the eyes of my heart wide that I would become perfectly confident in your love for me. Ask him that. That's what I used to do 30 years ago when I didn't didn't have a Bible yet. And I'd take long walks at night, sometimes two or three hours till one or two in the morning on a golf course, just me. And I'd walk around, I'd talk to God and look up the stars and say, God, who are you? Show yourself to me. I want to know you. Didn't know any scriptures, but I wanted him. So talk to him and then begin reading his word. And I remember getting this, my first one. This was not my first one, (laughs) 30 years ago. But I remember putting it on my desk and sitting there in my room and saying, okay, God, uh, show yourself to me. Speak to me. 
when I read this book. And I opened the book of John, and I started reading, and I was never the same. He, the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of my heart to see him. And that has to happen in order to know him. See, this is not a, a, a school class where we just get information and know God. It's a living relationship. The Holy Spirit is involved in this. We need the whole. So when you read the Bible, rely on the Holy Spirit to show Christ to you in the Bible. Boy, this is good. I, I just like what the Holy Spirit's doing here this morning. So faith is being sure of what he's done for me. Faith is being sure of his love for me. And I, that, that sense of, that sixth sense of faith is cultivated and grown as I meditate on the promises in his word and believe that they're true for me now. Mark 11, verse 24. I love how Jesus, Jesus is demonstrating faith to us. And he says this, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray. So when you pray or when you speak, if you keep it in context of Mark 11, because he spoke to a fig tree and that's what he's talking about. He said, when you speak, when you pray, when you're living your life, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when God, when I'm taking a promise of God and I'm, I'm believing it, and I'm, when do I believe the promise of God? When I see it in my life? No, when I pray. I'm not a sight hound. We're scent hounds. We don't believe God when we can see the evidence of what he's promised us. We believe him simply because he said so. This is where the power comes in. This is why so many believers are frustrated. Because they haven't cultivated this confidence in what he said. Guarantee you, you will come against uh, circumstances that are contrary to what he's promised you. Because we're in enemy territory. The earth is a fallen world. Satan is the God of this world. And we are in the midst of contrary circumstances that are trying to tell you what your life is going to be. But we're not of this world. We don't believe what we believe based on our circumstances. Our beliefs are based on what he said to us. His word. You can't have strong faith if you don't know what he said to you. What has he said about you? I'll tell you, he says you're beautiful. You're handsome, man. <laughs> Precious. You're the apple of his eye. That he loves you as much as he loves his son, Jesus. That if you've put your faith in him, you've become his very own son or daughter. That you are as valuable to him as his son Jesus is. How do I know these things? Studying his promises, studying his word. So it's not, well, let me think about this for a second. Hallelujah. So knowing God exists won't help you. You understand that, right? So I'm not trying to believe that God exists. That doesn't help anything. It's obvious. I don't have to, you know, work to believe the lights are on. It's obvious, right? 
what I am applying my thinking to, my speech to, my energy to, is meditating on what he said about me, what he says about himself, what he said about me, what he says about my life situations. Now, don't be afraid of what he'll say. If you're unfamiliar with him, you will be afraid. You'll be like kind of afraid to hear what he has to say. That's just because you don't know how good he is. What you need more than anything is to know what he says about you. It will unlock the real you. It will set you free. It will heal your body. It will heal your mind. It will break every bondage off of your life. If you will take what he says about you and elevate it above everything you've been through and what anyone else says. So at Highway Church, I said we keep it simple, and we do. There's only three things we're interested in knowing. Number one, who he really is. Number two, what he's done for us through his son. And number three, who we are in him. That's all we're interested in. Keep it simple. Who he is, number one, the real Jesus, right? The real nature of our father, the real nature of the one who made us. Number two, what he's done for us the finished work of Christ, and number three, who we are now in Him. If you will major in those three things, you've got it made. The devil will not be able to play with you anymore. How are we doing? Are we still awake? Wow. So the aroma of God is revealed through His promises. And I emphasize his promises because not everything in the Bible is a promise from God. There are a lot of things in the Bible, things people said that are accurately recorded, but they're not promises from God. There's behavior of man that's accurately recorded in the Bible, but it's not in agreement with the will of God. So there's a lot of things in the Bible, but you've got to become a promise hound when you read the Bible. That's what I'm doing when I'm reading the Bible. I'm sniffing for promises. And when I get to a promise, it's like, <laughs> I start baying, you know, like the raccoon in the tree. Oh, there's a promise for me, healing. You know, and I, and I sit up right there and I just meditate on it, right? Himself bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have gone. I wonder, have you ever heard a pastor do that? I don't know. <laughs> Feeling like a hound dog. What's that Elvis tune? Ain't nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> Praising all the time. I never caught a rabbit, but Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> well, <laughs> Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Is Elvis in the Bible? Will someone tell me that? No. Yes. All right. 2 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> when I was a kid, my aunt gave, gave uh, my brother and I all of her records, vinyl records. And she had a ton of stuff from the 60s and even 50s, 60s and 70s. And so I had this Elvis record when I was a kid. It was gold vinyl. It was really cool. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, here it is. This is what we're looking for. Grace and peace. What is grace? Total favor. That's yours and you had nothing to do with it. It's God for you 24-7 no matter what. It's God's riches at Christ's expense, not yours. Right? And what's peace? You know at Highway Church, again, religion gives you this vague kind of foggy concept of peace that doesn't help you at all. Peace is wholeness. Untroubled, undisturbed well-being. That's what that Greek word means, arene. Untroubled, undisturbed well-being. So God's unmerited favor and untroubled, undisturbed well-being are multiplied to you. Wow. Multiplied to you how? In the knowledge of God. Knowing who He is, who He really is. Not, a, not, not that He exists. Who he, His nature. How good He is. You following me? His love for you. What He's done for you through His Son and who you are now in Him. The knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord, verse 3, seeing that we see things with our, with our sixth sense of faith that we can't see with our eyes. Faith will enable to see yourself healthy when your body doesn't look healthy. You'll see a strong, healthy person walking and running with the sixth sense of faith when people are looking at you and thinking you're, you're going to be that way for the rest of your life. Because you don't look like a person that's healthy. But we see things beyond the natural by believing what God has said to us. Hallelujah. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything so is God holding back on us who told you that man's religion right he's granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness guess what you're all set <laughs> you are all set you just need to know what's yours you just need to know have knowledge of what you have what belongs to you in Christ He's granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge, there's false knowledges out there. You've got to know Him. Through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. See, Jesus is a safeguard for us. He keeps us on God's trail. If there's anything you believe about God that cannot be proven and supported by the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, then you've believed something wrong. Okay? Oh boy, I have to watch myself. I can go in all kinds of directions right here. There are Christians who, who put their faith in the book of Job. They're, they're, they think they're following Jesus, but they really have a, some kind of wrong concept of God because they've misread the book of Job. We've taught him that before. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on that. God did not do anything to Job. The Bible doesn't teach that. But many have read it that way and teach it regularly. That God sent destruction upon Job. 
that God and Satan were having this contest and Job was their little, their little you know, experiment. That's not what the scriptures say at all. Satan was standing in the place of accuser because Adam forfeited that through sin. Adam should have been in that place to, to speak on behalf of Job. Satan became the accuser when Adam sinned. Satan took an authority that belonged to man and became the accuser of man. He was always an accuser after he fell, but now he had authority with it in the earth. It was a stolen authority. And Job put himself into the hands of the accuser through extreme, persistent fear. You read it correctly and you'll see that Job was living daily in fear. Believing that what happens if, some, if something terrible happens to my children? What am I going to do if some, something terrible? What if they've sinned? What if they've done something? What, and what if God gets them? Well, I don't, or what if something bad, what am I? So he would go through these religious rituals. And this is, Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. The, the, the law wasn't around. He would go through his own rituals trying to somehow atone for sins that his children he thinks may have committed, but he had no idea. See, man's religion is fear-based. You'll go through very extensive crawling on your knees upstairs to say prayers because you're so, you just don't know what will happen. God is not like that. Job revealed, we learn a lot from the book of Job. We learn how Satan is trying to take us out and that persistent fear opens the door to him in our lives, but God is for us and if we'll turn to him and trust in him, he'll keep us. You know, what happened to Job will never happen to you. Never. Why? Why? Because of Jesus. Jesus is now in the place interceding for you. So don't let anyone convince you that you're in the place of Job. That's a lie. I can't tell you how many believers I've heard like that say that. Well, it must be kind of like Job what I'm going through. You can't be in the place of Job. You have an intercessor that Job did not have. He had the accuser coming against him, and he had ignorance. He didn't know the true knowledge of God. But when he repented, when he changed the way he thought, it opened the door for God to come in like a flood, and God prospered him, doubled everything he had. See, when you'll change your thinking and begin to think like God thinks and reject fear, it opens the door for him to come in and increase and multiply you. Boy, we've got to read the Bible right through the love and light of Christ. Hallelujah. So by these, verse 4, by his own uh, glory and excellence, he's granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why has God given us this book? Why has he given us his promises? So that by learning his promises, learning who he is, what he's done for us, who we are in him, we might become partakers. We might experience him. We might experience his nature. Now, oh boy, there's so much here. Interesting thing about bloodhounds, that you can actually they can be trained, if they're well trained, 
they can actually stay on the trail of ascent even through running water. But they have to be very well trained. Very well trained. Because you see in the movies, you know, they wanna, they, they're running from the dogs, so they jump in the river or something, try and get the scent off. Well, they can actually train a bloodhound to go right through the water and stay on track. You can train your sense of faith to keep you on God's track, no matter what, what kind of things are coming against you. But you have to train it. I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about trying to earn things. I'm talking about keeping your mind stayed on what He's done for you, no matter what, what your circumstances look like. And I'm telling you, you have to train yourself. You have to grow in this. Because prior to knowing Him, we're used to living by our senses, right? If I feel a certain way, I must be that way. No. Greater reality. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 5. Verse, start in verse 12. Then we're going to finish this up. We doing okay? We still awake? Yes. For, for though by this time... Now, the... the the author's not stated, but it seems like it was Paul to, is writing to the Hebrews, but uh, some leader in the church is writing to Hebrews. And he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. That means the things that God has said. Now this is a little bit of a rebuke. Well, it's, it's a rebuke, isn't it? Right? He's saying you should know this stuff. Right? You should know what God has said about you. What God, what were they doing? They were, they were uh, turning away from what God had said and going back to their tradition. Right? Jesus was the once for all sacrifice. That what, they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they started doing uh, their rituals again. Started trying to believe that circumcision was necessary for someone to be saved. See? He's saying these elementary things that God has done for you, you've turned away from them. Or you need someone to teach them again to you. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. Now look at verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. Now look at this. Here's the verse I want to get to. Who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So if you haven't trained yourself on the promises of God, you're not going to be able to discern the path that God has for your life. There are obstacles and distractions that Satan will put in your path to take you off the path. But if you haven't trained yourself in the goodness of God, you'll think that, that God is doing these things. And, and, and they will delay you. They will distract you and keep you from moving forward. Not because God did it, but you've got to know how good He is. You, and the, the way to train your senses is to learn what He said about you. Give you an example. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you. What does God want to do to you? Exalt you. I thought He wanted to hurt me. Who told you that? He wants to pick you up and lift you up. He wants you to go higher and further than you've ever dreamed of. No one is more for you than He is. Now look at this. How do we humble ourselves? 
Do we crawl upstairs and weep and cry? Next verse tells us how to humble ourselves. Verse 7. Put that up there. Casting all your anxiety on him. That's how you humble yourself. I thought we were supposed to carry this anxiety. That that was a form of humility. Who told you that? No, you humble yourself by casting. That's a forceful word. By throwing your anxiety on him. Why? Because now I'm saying, God, you got this. I'm trusting that you're God and I'm not. I cast every anxiety on you. You've got to practice this. You might find that you've been carrying anxieties for weeks, months, or even years. And you need to cast them on him right now. They will eat away at you. They will make you weak. And and they will make you susceptible to the strategies of the enemy. Anxiety is not for you. Never. I'm telling you, there are times in my life just anxiety would come at me. Maybe at 2 in the morning I'm sleeping or it could be any time. But I found a lot of times with me it was in the nighttime. I mean, just anxious thoughts about what could or couldn't be or how this. And if I didn't know what I know about him, I don't know if I would have made it. But so when I take a verse like this and I learn casting all my anxiety on him, why? Because he cares for me. What am I doing? I'm training myself now to discern between good and evil. Anxiety, evil. God cares for me, good. Right? So here's one promise that trains me. So I've I've memorized this one probably 28, 29 years ago. Why did I, why did I do it? Because it, it makes me strong. It, it, it makes me immune to anxiety. Amen. You can sense it right away. It's a little thief. Starts messing with you. It's knocking at your door. Come on, let me in, let me in, let me in. And you start entertaining the scenario it presents to you. And before you know it, not only is anxiety's foot in the door, but its whole person is sitting on your recliner in your living room, watching your TV, putting on the the channel it wants to have on your TV set, telling you what your life is going to be like. You recognize it right away when you learn that anxiety is not from him. And you, you cast it immediately on your father. Let's look at another one, Romans 8, 1 and 2. These are promises of God. See? We're promise hounds, right? Right? Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore, because of what Christ has done, now no condemnation. This is huge. For those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you know if you're in Christ Jesus? Have you put your faith in Him? As your Lord and Savior, then you're in Him. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So this teaches me a lot about discerning things. Because what does the devil want to do? He wants you to be anxious and he wants to condemn you. Right? We're learning to discern between good and evil. Anxiety, not from my father. Never. Never. No matter how strong it feels, no matter how persistent it is, you be stronger, you be more persistent, because you are in Christ. And now any condemning thought that comes into my life is not from my Father, and I refuse to listen to it. 
I refuse to accept it. I refuse to entertain it. It's not coming in this house. It's a trespasser on God's property, not allowed. Right? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free permanently. Let's look at one more. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Are you in Christ? How do you know? Because you have your church membership certificate. Nope. A lot of people go to church their whole life and never know Him. Sad. How do you know if you're in Christ? You've put your faith in Him. You said, Jesus, I, put, I believe you rose from the dead for me. Jesus, I put my faith in you as my Lord. If you've done that, you're in Him. Permanently. He doesn't kick you out of Him if you mess up. You're permanently in Him. If you put your faith in Him, you're forever His. Nothing can take you out of His hand. Alright? So I begin to know now that I'm a new creation. All those wrong thoughts I used to have aren't me. They're not of me anymore. I'm new now. I'm not what I once was. I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. All things have become new. Let's read verse 18. All this is from God. This new person is from God. I'm born of Him now. I'm His child. I'm born of His Word who reconciled me to Himself through Christ and gave me the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Wow. Do you see yourself in that way? Start today if you don't. You're Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Look at verse 21. God made him who had no sin. Who is that? Jesus. God the Father made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin. When did Jesus become sin? On the cross. That's what the Bible teaches. There are are churches that will fight you on this. But he had to become sin. If he had to become sin, we're lost, man. Jesus became sin on the cross. He was separated from his Father. He descended into hell. That's what death is, being separated from God. So that in him you might become the righteousness of God. If you put your faith in Christ, you're just as righteous as God is. This should be common knowledge among believers. Yet many churches would argue with what I just said. But it's true anyway. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God gave you His righteousness. This is probably one of the most important things you need to know. Is that you're righteous. In Christ. You're clean, you're righteous, you're uncondemned, you belong to Him. Anxiety and fear have nothing to do with you anymore. Wow. All right, so we're going to have to continue next week. Isn't this good? Love it. Hallelujah. See, when you begin doing this, an aroma will start to emanate from you. When you learn what He's done for you and who you are in Him, this aroma will begin to emanate from you and change the atmosphere that you're in. 
And there are people who don't know this that will sense it. Oh, that's next week. Okay, we'll stop. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, wow, you're amazing. We found what we're looking for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Your trail has been revealed to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. You came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. More and better life than we've dreamed of. Lord, we forsake man's ideas and we embrace your word. We embrace who you are, what you've said about yourself, what you've said about us, and what you've said about our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach us the truth about your goodness and love for us. Teach us the truth about what Jesus Christ bore for us. Teach us the truth about the finished work of Jesus Christ, that he did it, that it's all done, that he, the punishment for our well-being was put upon him. The punishment necessary for us to be well was put upon him. That he himself bore our pains, bore our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. And that with the stripes that wounded him, we have been healed. Reveal, teach that to us, Holy Spirit. Teach us the realities of who we are now in you. That, that uh, if we find ourselves in contrary circumstances, when the enemy comes against us, we would not flinch. But we would take authority over darkness and cast it out of our lives and move forward in you. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.